want you to listen. Then what? Share it. The Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri people, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. Welcome back to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. I'm Josh. And I'm Nat. <laughs> and this week we're joined by Rick. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for joining us today. We really Thank appreciate you. the time. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, mm. um, which is obviously a be- beautiful spot, but obviously subject to a lot of uh, criticism from <laughs> a lot of people and, and young people. Mm. I was one of them once, you know, <laughs> gr- growing up there thinking, oh man, this, this place is such a dark cloud. It's so what's stopping me from progressing in life, but as you get older and you start to appreciate it. Mm. Turns out that it's, you know, the opposite. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, other than that, you know, I just um, I've been doing youth work since about 2017, um, so probably not as long as you guys. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's honestly nothing that I'd rather be doing than that. And I think the Morning Peninsula, you know, from going off what I just said, mm. um, is the perfect place for the work that I'm doing right now. So, yeah. yeah, cool. Absolutely. I love that you identify that, like, um, people, I guess as people mature, your your values and the things that you admire change. Mm. And I remember having, like, a really similar conversation with my dad once being like, this place fucking sucks, there's nothing for young <laughs> yeah. people to do, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, when you grow up, you'll appreciate it. Mm. That's it. So you do get to an age. I'm going first, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> We, as you know, we start every podcast with a bunch of questions. Um, I. No, I, I was actually going to say I've got to find the screenshot because I will always get them in the wrong order. <laughs> but the first one is, what was your first ever job? Oh, yeah. Um, in hindsight, a lot of hindsight here, um, <laughs> it was probably a job that you shouldn't have given like a 12-year-old kid at the time. <laughs> so was it was it a pharmacy. Um, and it was going around on my bike, delivering medication to elderly people. Yes. You done, you done something similar? Or I exactly did not do something similar, but we had somebody oh, else. Right. We were saying that there's like a, a theme yeah. of, of when we started asking this question, there's a theme of people all of like a similar sort of age where they started mm. was either doing the paper round yeah. or was doing medication delivery back <laughs> yeah, in the day. Yeah, you're a second person. Yeah, well, I love it. People, I think it's the best. Yeah, all the, but the theme so far is that people start, generally speaking, have started their working careers really young. Yeah. Which mm. I think shows just like the hustle of people in our industry, which is probably overlaps to other industries, but we'll mm. claim it as our own. But And comparing yeah. it to like 
now. Mm. Yeah. Yes, for, that's for young right. people these days, it's it's getting bigger as that the youth transitional stages increase. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But how funny to think, like even if I wanted to go to this, the, I was going to say the supermarket. If I wanted to go to the pharmacy now and get some cough medicine, I'd probably have to show my ID and oh, have, yeah. like you know if it's got code in it, whatever. Like there's you know all of these strict <laughs> rules now. And I think about you know twelve year old you, yeah, just hooking just around, struggling up the bridge on the bicycle and rocking up to the elderly person's house, sweating and yeah. and going, here's your life or death medication. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to keep you alive. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, funny. I love it. I yeah, think it's great. Yeah, it is funny. Yeah, mm. cool. It's a shame that that's not. I mean, obviously that there's. <laughs> Not, I don't mean it's a shame that that's not occurring anymore, but it's a shame it's not as, um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Like it'd be an established role now where there'd be yeah. sign-ins, sign-outs. It would yeah. be specific. I don't know if there's many sort of like the paper round or mm. even delivering meds. I don't know if there's that sort of odd job availability. Mm. Back as then much it was there. like you, you rock up and they give you a, a bag full of meds and you <laughs> and off it's you so go crazy. and they give you like... They give you like ten bucks yeah. at the end, and you're like, "Cool, yeah. that was nice." Spend this in like two seconds. Yeah, yeah. on some candy or something. That's it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what would if you were a WWE wrestler, what would be your walkout song? Mm. Such a good question as well. Like uh, one of those things where you're like, "Oh, I don't know, I listen to a lot of music, but what would be the tune mm. to introduce you to sort yeah. of ramp people up? Yeah, and how to think about it." Um, and I, I naturally went back to like a lot of folk 60s, 70s songs and none of them, you know, they're all good, but they're too relaxed. You mm. need something to pump up the crowd, yeah. You want the oomph. That's it. So, um, you know, I came on Gorilla Radio from uh, Rage Against the Machine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, because it's just got it's got that raw energy, yeah, but also because I, I've always considered what I'm doing in my work to be like Gorilla youth work. Yeah. And, you know, right into the community and sort of not sort of existing outside of the the mainstream a little bit so mm. it's kind of like every time that song comes on or comes up in the playlist um it, get, it ramps me up so if it ramps me up it's not going to have any problem ramping anyone else up yeah mm. and the ultimate vibe for what you're going for exactly, yeah yeah Rage against the machine too How yeah. Good. Oh, yeah did you see them play when they came out here for Soundwave? it wasn't a big day out i think that might have been canned by then but they came out for a one of those um, was one of those festival tours, mm. you know, like a big day out or a sound wave. Mm. Did you see them play? I didn't. No. Uh, that would have been amazing. It was so cool. Did yeah. you see them play, Josh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> who knows? Who knows when they'll be back? But oh. I'll, I'll def- I want to catch oh. them next time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Who knows yeah, when we'll so be able good. to see? It was fucking wild. It was at the showground, <laughs> and there was like people on like the tent at the back, you know, like the beer tent or whatever. Climbing Someone set a tree and... on fire. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! Yeah, yeah. It was raging as a machine, like, <laughs> and everyone was. Just, I like, wish everybody could see the cheeky smile you have on your face right now. Like, it was raging against the machine. It was, it yeah. was you, wasn't it? I didn't. See <laughs> yeah, Josh was hanging <laughs> out the tree, setting it lot. But I like I was sober as a judge is what they say and i remember standing still like two feet on the floor mm. of the earth and you could feel the ground moving from yeah. everybody jumping i wasn't in the mosh pit or anything i was further back it was too much for me the whole place was a yeah mosh pit by the, the sounds of it. whole yeah. thing was just like shaking just standing there it was really cool what yeah it was awesome so yeah so yeah. The walking out to that in front yeah. of the crowd yeah, yeah for sure. hopefully Tr- someone sets a tree on fire <laughs> yeah. and then you're like yeah and you play into it and, and encourage more but yeah yeah i don't know i love it yeah nah. <laughs> cool. Machine. i, I like it think about i respect neither did i i'm actually a bit disappointed <laughs> in myself now that i didn't <laughs> think of rage and you can sort of pick any song from there yeah, you know, yeah to, to pick and it'd, and it'd have the same energy so that's yeah. cool but um yeah good one love it 
The next one is if you had to change careers, what would you do? <laughs> do you have a lot of people struggle with this question? Because it's kind of like a lot of people I'm guessing you'd have on the show, they're like, this is the end goal for, the end goal for them, yeah. Like yeah. what they're doing is mm. what they'd be doing if they weren't getting paid for it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or like what Josh and I did was thought of random other things that we'd like to do but then somehow <laughs> brought it back to being youth workers yeah. and doing traineeships and... <laughs> What's the natural progression of delivering medicine? The <laughs> drug dealer? Yeah. <laughs> Edit yeah. that out or something. No. Um, no, I don't know. Like, it's, it'd be along the same lines, but um, I feel like anything I would do now, mm. I wouldn't be in it for long. Yeah. Because mm. when you're living on purpose and you've got, you, you're constantly stoking that fire and you get all that energy in that, you know, from helping people. There's no better thing than being in service, yeah. Mm. So um, some kind of community role still, mm. um, but, you know, it always just comes back to the young people. So whatever could allow me to do that. Like mm. I, was, I was a professional photographer and graphic designer before I was in youth work. That's cool. Um, so still being able to teach young people you know, to, to play into their talents, mm. their unique spark of, of genius, yeah. Mm. Um, but in saying that now, like I, I can hear myself speak, it's still coming back into youth work, mm. yeah. still teaching young people. But, uh, man, what would, I guess, photographer, like looking at some of the National Geographic stuff oh. um, and with technology getting better as well, being able to just travel mm. and take photo, like uh, like Tom from MySpace, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, like such a big figure in people you know growing up in the 2000s yeah um and then myspace sold out to whatever facebook came along but he's actually like an amazing like world-class photographer oh really he's got his his instagram account yeah and is it um at tom from myspace I don't know. It might be. I hope you'd, so. You'd think you'd yeah. keep it, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> just as a just as a tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's not yeah. gonna be like Tom Richardson. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's his last Tom, name. Tom Photos. Or I was something. literally yeah. about to say, how the fuck do you know his last yeah. name? <laughs> you made it. It better be. It I better... thought his last name was MySpace. <laughs> I, hope, <laughs> I hope his profile photo though is him in the white t-shirt. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, just looking at, at a chalkboard or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's so famous for it. But yeah, that's. He yeah, was. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> he's yeah, he's he's incredible. Wow. His photography, like world class. He does. That's what he does now. He just goes around. I don't even know if he's into marketing or anything still, but mm. just gets to travel around. I guess that's the benefits of creating one of the biggest social platforms mm. to ever exist. Yeah. Right at the start of that movement. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can huge. just have all the awesome gear and get to travel whenever you want. It's so cool, isn't it? I've been traveling a couple of times and met people along the way that are like just full time, like, I don't mean just, they're full time photographers and they just travel the world to take pictures. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you must be so fucking happy. <laughs> you, you bastard. Well, like, I, kinda, I support you. But you know, yeah. wouldn't be like no KPIs, yeah. no like, oh, yeah. you know, deadlines. Just pure passion. No, yeah, like I just fucking froth taking pictures and I'm really good at it and <laughs> this is just by my it. art. Yeah. I don't need to worry about bills. I'm just a nomad with yeah. a camera kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd choose that. Cool. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. I like that. And it's so funny what you said before about... Um, like harnessing a young person's talents, you know, mm. that strength-based sort of attitude, but mm. in a reverse way, and I've had, and I think this is kind of where you were going is I've had this conversation with people before and it's that you don't have to have, like, you don't have to conform, maybe it's too heavy a word, but you don't have to conform to like traditional youth work. Like mm. the joke I make is like, if you're good at like working with leather, like 
you could create a program where you do like leather work with young people yeah. and you know support them to like learn that crap like you don't have to have like you can use your own skill yeah. yeah like and i've said that to people before i don't know you know whether it's like i've lost passion for what i'm doing or you know i've only ever done like x y and z and it's like well you can still incorporate that into working with young people yeah. like yeah. it's not all of these mainstream ways of doing things like well you know, it's, yeah it's cool being able to connect with um you know, the, a lot of the kids these days are using YouTube and wanting one of the biggest ambitions these days is to be, you know, professional gamers and mm. um, whatever you want to think about that. <laughs> um, but being able to be like, oh, yeah, I know how to edit video when they say, oh, hey, I want to learn how to edit video for my YouTube. Mm. Cool, let's, let's just craft a workshop mm. or we can put that into your mentorship. Mm. As, yeah. as your talents, as your skills that you want to develop. So. Mm. Yeah, and you get so much buy-in. Like it's not about yeah. a young person being eligible for a program to participate. It's mm. about finding something that you're passionate about and wrapping that around you, mm. not necessarily around you fitting somebody else's set of rules, which mm. you're always going to get more buy-in. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm. Um, could you tell us about a time at work that you've made a mistake and what have you learned from it? Mm. Um. I hope it good... wasn't giving like Mrs. Jones the wrong medication, <laughs> carked it or something. Right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no one, no one sees Mrs. Jones around anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, like in in the youth work context, um, you know, at the at the, at the start, um, when you're still trying to gauge uh, those natural skills that you develop on the job, mm. um, and the stuff that can't be taught, like gauging when a young person is. Um, you know, kind of needing to be pushed to take the leap of faith, but then pushing too much and then they recoil. So yeah. um, it's not really a problem I have these days, but early on when I was kind of like, come on, man, let's get you out of your comfort zone, kind of pushing them, pushing them too much and then sort of then, you know, um, not communicating with you mm. for, you know, a week or two after that. And yeah. then they, when they come back, they're kind of like, Whereas these days when I do that, they come back and they go, oh, man, what you said really hit me and I went away to think about it. And then there's sort of like the gold there. Mm. But early on it was more like they're a bit, I don't want to take that leap. Yeah. And I'm sort of pissed off at you for making me do it. Mm. It's still growth, mm. although it might not take form, you know, months or years from then. But um, it does affect right then and then and the impact you have with them in that moment and in that time where you're mentoring them. Mm. You're right, though, and that it's a skill that I don't think can be taught from a book, but also it's individual for every single young person you work exactly. with. Some young people you can push further than others. Some and they young people, and they thrive in that environment. Some young people don't thrive from that, and that's. I think that's just about you becoming more experienced as, as a worker and being mm. able to gauge, you know, a situation or, um, you know, a client through like whatever that might be, their body language or you know the the way that they start behaving. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't think that's something you can go and like read in a book, and it's something you harness over years. Of, yeah, ah. like you got you, you've got your courses, and you've got more resources now than probably ever before. Mm. But there is still no, you know, the saying like there's no um, youth work for dummies, yeah. kind of thing. So. Yeah, for sure. The last and final question is: What are your self care strategies, mm. and do you think you implement them well? It's one of my favourite things, and it is. Um, a strange thing that I, I couldn't grasp right at the start because all the youth work I've done since getting into it has been outside of any kind of structure or mainstream service. 
So stuff like, um, you know, even down to having a supportive team, mm. like you guys bounce off each other, obviously, and you chat and you have a yarn and talk shit yeah, mm. to each other to get that off your chest and, and as a team talking about um, stuff to, you know, let it go and yeah, move forward and, and develop and mm. grow. Um, and I never had that. Mm-hmm. So self-care was an important thing right from the start. Um, and what, you know, I used to I used to teach a bit of meditation and get into the spiritual side of stuff until I got too deep and then thought, man, this is uh, it's full of wankers. <laughs> can I say that? Yeah, yeah um, sure you can. Sorry to be wanked. <laughs> so I, I, I call it, I call the, the new age spirituality scene the fuckwit factory <laughs> because it is very like there. there's so many people taking advantage of people. Absolutely. And it's just, it's been turned into something completely against what it should be. Mm. Um, so I got, I stopped doing the meditating and then realised through just self-education that meditation is more beneficial when you're out doing it in the world rather than locking yourself away yeah Mm -hmm. so um that active meditation became part of my Mm self-care and that involves just going into my community Mm. and getting a coffee at my favorite place I've, i've been there so much and they've actually supported me um and i've had i've had a lot of meetings there and met a lot of parents and young people at this cafe um, and I got a, a breakfast burger named after me. What? <laughs> so I'm like, I just go in, I'm like, yeah, I'll have a Rick, thanks. And yeah. They, they know what it's about. And that... I'm Rick, make my burger. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so anyone can go in now, like, Rick. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those, you know, you know kind of thing. Yeah. But um, that's self-care to me as well because it's like being in your community mm. is self-care in itself. Mm. Have Being able to walk down and people go, hey, how you doing? How's your work going? What are you up to? And then you walk home, you got the sun, you're drinking a coffee, or you go sit on the beach. Mm. And there, there are the benefits as well of living down on the peninsula. Yeah. <laughs> the sweet spot of the universe. You can go to the forest, you can go to a field, you can go, you know, you go anywhere and you've got, you're in nature, you've got access mm. to different sort of biospheres everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, coffee is a big one. Mm. Just drinking a coffee on the beach or drinking a coffee sitting on the street and seeing sort of the people that, you know, walk past that you know and all the conversations that come from that. Yeah. And, of course, hanging out with my dog. Yeah. What sort of dog do you have? I have a Rottweiler cross Wolfhound. Uh, So we got him from Lost Dogs Home uh, probably about five, six years ago. Aw. And he's just just a cool dude. What's his name? His name's Cassius. Oh, cute. (laughs) You have to show me a picture after. I will. Um, Yeah, so... My philosophy is like, if you can't meditate while you're standing in line for a coffee and getting frustrated at how slow it is, then what's the point? Mm. So the self-care, and when I, I, I do teach young people some of that meditation, being in the moment, sort of uh, grokking, like riffing with the ocean, with the wind, correlating that to emotions mm. is all stuff I've developed in my life to self-care. And now it's, it's a bit different now because coming out, of COVID into 2021, I've got a team now of like three different people. Um, so now I can bounce back and go, all right, we've got the support. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to dinner and have a debrief. So that's really new for me, like mm. leading a team from not having one for like three years. Mm. <laughs> so exciting. I'm developing new self-care techniques. But, you know, I, there's still nothing beats putting some music on, getting a coffee, and walking down the street. That's pretty simple, but so 
powerful and potent mm. Yeah. Mm. and unique to you yeah right and that's, that's one of the conversations that we've had um you know with different people is that self-care like it's so important that you identify what works for you because we know we always joke around no sorry not joke around we fl- uh, sort of Flirt. I don't know where you nah, Like we just, <laughs> we, we kind of go to these catch call sort of, oh, I, I do exercise. Yeah, yeah, I walk yeah, the dog. Right. Like you sort of throw them around. Or like, sma- smash yourself at the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And these are the things that we, you know, and we would never say that we drink alcohol because like <laughs> that's that's not allowed. We definitely must make sure we talk about exercise. You know, probably should throw in like some friends in there. We don't talk about, well, I'll turn my phone, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for you, the idea of, being in your community, like it's more like that tribal sort of stuff, like being in your community, getting a coffee. Like I love that you mentioned that. It's like yeah. it totally makes sense. Mm. Yeah, um, I feel like coffee you know, gets a bad rap. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But then for, but for someone else, that could not do the, the job for them. Mm. But that's okay because it's unique to you, you know. So it's just it's so interesting to hear different people's um, strategies that they use. I um, love that you guys yeah. ask that because it, it's cool to hear what other youth workers or people that are in the mental health field do for their self their self care away from having a team as well. So what mm. is unique to them? Yeah, yeah. like you're saying. And we want to normalise that um, because the reason why we added that question, I think we might have covered it on other podcasts, and you know we don't expect people to listen to them all. Don't we? Is that actually we do? <laughs> Pause this one. Go back to the start. <laughs> yeah. If you um, are listening, yeah. Was that you know we had this conversation in in the office one day. We we're just sort of chatting shit one day and. It was sort of acknowledging that we have these different self-care strategies that are unique to us, but we don't actually implement them very well. Mm-hmm. And right. that the Facebook group and hopefully the podcast draws a lot of people that are new to the field. Mm. And I think that people get um, told that sort of, you know, you must have self-care strategies and, <laughs> and goodness gracious, you could not ever yeah. admit that you don't use them mm-hmm. I mean, or that you don't implement them properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want someone to sit here who's done... They're social, like it's been a social worker for 30 years or it's a drug and alcohol worker or someone like yourself who runs your own program. And I mean, today you've talked about what yours are, but other people have said, look, I don't think I do implement them all, mm. all that well, you know, but, you know, and to normalize that that's the case and mm. that you don't have to be perfect like your uni lecturer might tell you to be or your first boss might tell you to be. Yeah, so that's where we kind of come you're, from. You're authoring your own self-care routine, not having it sort of ghost-written for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the premise that nobody's got their shit together as well. Like, <laughs> how, like the amount of times that we will have new staff or like students or you meet other colleagues and they're like, oh, you just always seem like you've got, got it all sorted or, you mm. know, you're, you're really good at self-care or you're good at this and it's like, fucking nuts. Yeah. But like it's 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 a rolling attempt. Like I, mm. you know, I might yeah. not have done anything for myself this week, but I'll try again next week. You know, and, and yeah. it's okay to not have to not all be the, the answers not be or the master not, or not yeah. not be general manager of the universe. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. And even something like meditating. I like that you've mentioned that you do like a walking meditation and that mm. um, because I think even for me, like meditation is one of my self care strategies. And I do. I would say that I have a crazy monkey mind, and I have to do that to. <laughs> level myself out but for some people they have this image maybe of me sitting in a forest (laughs) cross-legged with you know my my fingers on my doing the whole like spiritual seated placement you know saying a mantra repeatedly for an hour and it's like 
no, that's not what I do. I couldn't sit somewhere for an hour. <laughs> not a chance. I'll do 20 minutes or, you know, I'll listen to a guided meditation. Yeah, even or sneaking in five minutes. Yeah, and, and that's okay. Like, it's mm. okay that you don't, you know, I think people put their, this big bubble idea of what their self-care should look like and if I'm not going to be meditating in that forest with my spiritual techniques, <laughs> I'm not doing it right so I shouldn't do it. Mm. It's like, well... Meditating could literally do, be doing some deep breaths while the kettle boils. Like it doesn't have to be this grandiosity. When I talk about it with young people and uh, adults as well, mm. and I say, "Have you tried meditation?" I go, oh, yeah, I tried it once and didn't work, so mm. <laughs> I never try it again." It's like there's no. It's probably because you're getting told like one way yeah. to meditate yeah. when it's not. You know, because a lot of people that we work with who have anxiety and existential mm. crisis, uh, depression, they can't sit quietly within their heads because they get inside their heads and that's where the sort of chaos is happening mm. um, so sitting in a dark room isn't going to be applicable to them so mm. we need to work out ways that they can find some peace of mind that works for them that's not a chore it's yep. not going to um, just add more stress or, or more existentialism to their lives mm. Mm. and you like even anything that's going to add extra stress to some like I just don't think it's worth it. Like if the concept of you guilting yourself so bad that you <laughs> didn't meditate this morning is going to cause you so much un- like unnecessary stress, just cut meditating out. Yeah, that's it. Like let's get rid of it. You don't have to measure yourself against that graph. Mm. It's, um, yeah. I was going to say something. I've lost my train of thought again. That's all right. Um, one of the questions that we had in what we call the last season was what was your aha moment? sort of when this was for you but i'm curious you know you've talked about you were rick the graphic designer photographer mm. when did you when was your like hang on a second i want to end up in the youth workspace how did it work how did it can unfold I go, for you can deep? i go deep yeah yeah deep, deep, deep as you feel comfortable this is this is your time <laughs> <laughs> and i did say at the start that i'm, I'm an open book you and did? i do share this with a lot of people sure um so growing up um i grew up poor i grew up a single parent family um my dad was actually, and still is, I think, who knows, um, a white supremacist. Um, so when I would spe- be spending time with him, it would be, um, you know, just, just reading Mein Kampf and mm. having to read just absolute garbage. And then our outings would be like going through the city and abusing Jewish people or yeah. yelling out at them or even throwing food at them you know, for the entertainment of my dad. Mm. And eventually the more you do that and you see that your dad that you, you know, because as, as boys, as young boys, yeah. we naturally want to be like, I want dad to be happy with me. Yeah. So then that becomes your narrative, yeah. Mm. So it got to a point in my young adulthood where I had a mental breakdown. Mm. I actually had two in a row. Um, but, you know, beyond all that, because that's a journey in itself. Um, I actually had the unique opportunity to rebuild my values and morals from the ground up. Mm. Um, And by doing that and sort of going, hey, you know, I'm I'm swapping out some of that Nazi crap Mm. for, like, the messages in, like, John Butler Trio's music and Xavier Rudd and, you know, really going, oh, these people, you know, they exist as much as I exist. So, like... Being able to get that cultural um, awareness that I'd never had before, Mm. um, defining my own narrative, it all only came, who knows if it had to come without those mental breakdowns, Mm. but they were probably actually the best thing that ever happened to me, yeah. Mm. 
So that opened me up to sort of spread that awareness and be like, I have been so selfish for so long that I don't want to be that way anymore. Mm. Um, And then so the big aha moment leading from that was when I met my mentor, who you met outside before. Um, And he was just, I was... I was young and I was going through one of the job places to get the doll check. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what training organisation it was, but the the um, facilitator brought this dude in and I just saw this um, businessman, bald head, was wearing a suit and talking about all this stuff I'd never heard before. And he said at the end, he put out a call to action, if anyone wants to stay behind and chat, do it. I'll stick around. And I was the only person that did. Now... Um, I talked about my dad before. Mm. So I had these really bad, like, prison-looking tattoos on my arm and on my neck, which you obviously can't see. I was going to say, that you can, <laughs> they're not that. <laughs> um, and he, my mentor realised that I had those negative attachments, even though it was my choice to get them. Yeah. It, it attached me and he called the neck one the job stopper because mm. <laughs> it was bad. It was meant to be like a Japanese uh, Hanya mask, but it, didn't come no, out like that. That no, was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, and he said, "Look, I'm going to uh, pay for your laser removal, which ended up being a two-year journey." Yeah. Um, every couple of months, we'd go up to I think it was Carlton, um, and he'd pick me up at the station, and you know, come to the sessions and pay for it. I don't know how much. It, Cost of, yeah, cost at the end, but mm. um, so yeah, they're obviously gone now. But it was between. And like you can't even see. No, so you can that's see amazing. like a bit of scarring up there from it. Mm. I wouldn't think that's like tattoo scarring. I'd be like, oh, he's cut himself or something. Like <laughs> it does scar from another injury. It, it doesn't, doesn't tickle. Oh my god. I was gonna say out of ten, like I've seen videos of people getting it done. And it looks that's fucking her- ferocious. <laughs> I've thought about getting some, and I'm like, I'd just rather live with them. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a really strong static shock, and like. You know when you get splashed by like bacon grease? Yes. Yeah, and or like a like a band, like Ooh. constant, yeah. and it swells up and it smells like burnt hair. It's hor- <gasps> it's horrible experience, but um yeah. So the this mentorship and the car rides and the lunches and that that mm-hmm. happened to and from those sessions, um sort of highlighted more of those values that I'd started to rebuild. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, well, I want to do this. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that get into mentorship and youth work and all of that have that moment at some point of um, they've been exposed to someone who has inspired them mm. to do the same work. Yeah. And that's and it goes beyond kind of like a, um, well, someone's told me that I'm good with kids, mm. so I'll become a youth worker. And you see a lot of them in the youth work courses. It just is a massive melting pot <laughs> of, <Yeah>. of, of <laughs> people. <laughs> I won't go there. But um. But yeah, so getting exposed to a mentor who invested so much in me and was that male role model as well in my life that I lacked. Yeah. I was like, I want to be that for other kids. Yeah. So that's where it started. And I had all, I had, you know, no designs on doing what I'm doing now. I was like, I'm going to get the youth work. I'm going to, you know, get a job straight after. And it just didn't happen like that. Mm. So then I created my own. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to the creation of Money Youth Project. I love that. And I I want to ask about Money Youth Project. I want to get into that. But just the concept, and this is a conversation that you and I have been having over and over and over, 
are you like, what's the conversation? <laughs> um, is around, I think some there's a perception sometimes that you go and you study and you'll walk straight into a job. Mm. And I think like for me, I was really fortunate the way in which I fell into my career. I was very like the 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 stars just fucking aligned for me and I'll forever be that grateful. But at the time, I just thought that was how it worked for everybody. So it probably wasn't until, you know, I was actively in the field for a while that I was like, actually, I was so goddamn lucky and it's actually a struggle. But I don't think people that are coming out of study now, like I don't know if they're being told that. Like they used to beat that is to us, like our Mm. our uni lecturers, like you work for this. A lot of them sort of spend so much time scaring you away from it rather than sort of giving you of like where, where do you want to go with it when you yeah. get a qualification. Yeah, and then I think people come out of their courses sort of lost thinking something will just appear. <laughs> like and a, it's like, like a lost little lamb. Yeah, and it's wild, sort of yeah. like it's actually really fucking hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think I just really liked that you mentioned, you know, and I tried and, and this is how I thought it was going to be and it didn't and so I made yeah. my own, you know, and I think it's just a really good point that I wanted to highlight for other people and people listening is that, you know, keep going, like do the hard yards. Like mm. it might not be the initial path that you thought you were going to take, but it's also hard fucking yucca to mm. get your foot in the door. And it might be an uphill climb, you know, away from the, you know, it might be the path less travelled. Mm. But, man, when, you, when you're walking it and when you get to where you want to go, there's so much satisfaction from, um, you know, going against the, the haters and the biters of like, you can't do this, just go and work. Mm. Um, not understanding that, like I've tried, it's not worked, so I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. I always say to a lot of young people I work with, um, which I, I don't want to come across as a message of like go rob houses, but like if no doors are opening for you, go out the window. Yeah. Know, make your own path. Um, and then we sort of unfold that a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's you know, if it's not working, if it's not working for a reason, mm. there are obviously those little um, bits and bobs of like the, the systems might not. And there is the normal things of like you might just not be right fit for the job. Yeah. Yeah. But some of it could be like maybe it's just not meant for you. Mm. And that's what I felt. Yeah. Mm. So then Mana Project, Mana, I'm pronouncing it correctly. Mana Youth Project. Mana Youth Project was born. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> it's exciting. So that was so um, we, we, we talked about the spiritual side of stuff. A lot of it is. Um, it's, it came from a dream. It was born from a dream. Mm. Um, I'm a big dreamer, big lucid dreamer. Um, so there is a lot of like direct revelation there, not like Christianity or God or anything like that. Mm. But um, yeah, all of that side of things. But I was also, when I was doing my placement, um, obviously without naming names of any other organisations or anything, um, you know, it was it was really, the way I can define it is like, you can put a flare in an arsehole, but you can't call it a vase. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. the place I found myself in was, was exactly, it was the, yeah. Um, and a lot of conflicting values just didn't align to what I kind of thought was youth work. And I, st- I stopped for a little bit and I thought I didn't say anything because I'm like, hang on, I'm new to it. I'm just stepping in. Mm. Um, I won't say anything because it, I didn't feel like it was my place. Yeah. But something happened um with a young person and they really let him down and the kids came to me and were like, oh, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And when I arced up about it, <laughs> I could have been a bit more tactful and a bit on the nose. <laughs> but um, then it was like, well, you know, they went on the attack. Um, and then I realised, like, the next week I was like, 
blocked from like the, the Facebook group and I was like hang on I've stood up for a young person which is my a lot of my job advocating mm. for young people and I've been like banished from the village mm. <laughs> as some you know outsider with no explanation yeah. I thought that that really hit me like in the gut a lot mm. um, and then seeing those the young people I've spent the last year building rapport with like in the street and the, and them going oh well we got told that you'd moved on to better things and that hit me as well and I went nah nah man like that's not how it went um, this is what happened and then so that hit me that hit me bad and I got a little bit eh, about it maybe even had um, a small window of time where I thought maybe I won't do this yeah um, but it was just false evidence appearing really it was just fear Mm. It was um, so then I was you know does anyone else do either of you like hop in the share and that's where you have like your most enlightening yeah. experiences yeah <laughs> I've like constantly I talk about getting a waterproof notepad for the shower because <laughs> yeah. that is when I'm like fuck I forgot to do this or oh I need to do that tomorrow it's and like then an iPad on the wall that you can just annotate yeah, <laughs> yeah I need something so I like I was sitting there and that was all going through my head um, thinking about what to do next uh, pissed off mm. that was where that first seed of like I don't, I don't want to work <laughs> in the in the mainstream. Nothing against the mainstream, like, but I yeah. it wasn't for me. Yeah, you know. Um, and then I like saw, you know, <laughs> spiritual experience, seeing my reflection in like a, a drop of water, mm. and then going having one of those epiphanies, like you said before. What was the the aha moment? So the aha moment for Money Youth Project was this moment. It was the um, the bad that that brings the good with it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I jumped out of the shower and I went, boo, 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 hopped on the computer, spent the next like eight hours straight just downloading all of this stuff into a Word document in my head, mm. which had come from, one, the, the dream, yeah, which is where the word mana came from, mm. um, and then, two, that experience yeah. that, that sort of kicked me in the ass and said, do your own thing. Mm. It's like that the little girl on the... Taco ad. Why not do Why both? Not <laughs> I love it. Um, so then, in that process, um, I had this this word ever since I had this really impactful dream one night. Um, it was mana, hmm. and the dream involved um, getting shown certain protocols by this Hawaiian medicine man. And I had no idea about anything to do with Polynesia. I'm not Polynesian. I don't have it in my ancestry or anything. Mm. So I was like, oh, it's just creativity. It's just a dream. Um, but then at the more I researched, and that was in that moment in the share, it was like mana, mana, mana. It was like, the, you know, the Jumanji drums yeah. in, in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, okay, I'm going to go research this stuff. And it turns out that mana in the Polynesian worldview and spirituality is personal power, personal energy, um, and personal sort of creative energy. It's like chi or... Mm. prana or you know just yep. your life force yeah um so i i came up with this tentative name of like mana youth project and it's still the same today yeah it just feels right yeah <laughs> um but then as i went on and i and i sort of was still reflecting on that the cultural side of things and i didn't want to culturally appropriate anything to do with polynesia mm. um so i went on my research journey ended up meeting a um, Hawaiian lady on Facebook and she like legitimized it all and 
gave it gave the blessings for me to use some of the worldviews and concepts. Um, but then I also wanted I needed it to make it applicable to the community mm. who didn't understand all that too. So some people could probably see money as project and be like, what's that got to do with anything? What does mana mean? Yeah. It's just a word. So I, I sort of turned it into an acronym as well. Mm. Um, at first I just wanted to work with boys. I just wanted to work with men. Yeah. Um, that's not the case now. But it was like men are never alone because it was going to be just a support program. Um, but it turned into like a full philosophy, like this this code um, and now it is it stands for manifesting awareness, mm. navigating authenticity. So, I t- I took that and I turned that into its own framework, um, and yeah, that's how it was created. Like I, I just I'd done the first two years, just working with some of the kids that came from that placement. Once they you know they realised the truth, and then we sort of had a little youth group going, um, and I ran that for a little while, um, and then I just started doing one on one mentorship. Um, and now it's, yeah, it's it's not like massive, but it's a lot bigger and a lot more um, planned out and thought out and delivered mm. than what it was a couple of years ago. So mm. now it's like a social enterprise kind of model. Nice. Um, a lot of it, a lot of the stuff that comes in, goes straight back into the community. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's. And you say it's not big, but it started with you, yeah. and now you've got three more staff in your team. Yeah. Yeah. And one of, the, one of them is my mentor. Oh, nice. One of them is a um, lady I've known for a couple of years, so she's going to be doing, like, the, the like women's work and girls' yeah. mentoring and that. And um, Courtney as well, who just recently I got an, a message through my website um, saying, oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if this is something you do, or but are you willing to take on an assistant? I can, like, I'm not expecting to get paid and... Um, and I thought, that's right, because there's not much money going around <laughs> at the moment anyway. But, um, but no, like I, I said to her, look, I don't want someone who's just going to go and get me coffee and mm. I'm not that type of person. Or, well, you'd um, rather go get the coffee yourself anyway. Exactly, it's my self-care, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't, you, you can't steal that from me. <laughs> get your own self-care return. <laughs> nah, um, so now I'm, I'm training her up as a mentor. She's, you know, that's background amazing. in community services and um, advocacy and that, but she's just amazing mm. and just a natural that I don't even, you know, I said, I'll, tra- I'll train you up. She's just doing it. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> she's just a, a natural. Yeah. She's, so she's um, there. And, and my mentor, Frederick, who I told you about already, um, he's there and yeah. So How long has trip. Frederick been? I love the name Frederick. How long has <laughs> Frederick been uh, your mentor? Cause you, you said you met him. About, about nine years. Wow. So it's moved from like a mentorship and one of those cool mentorships where it's like the work was done and then he disappears for a few years and then comes back like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi out of the desert, <laughs> you know, and um, and that happened with COVID mm. um, coming because like, I didn't take a lot of my stuff online during COVID. Yeah. And I asked young people that I was already working with, like, do you want to do this online? And they're like, no, we love joining you getting coffee and sitting at cafes and mm. um on the beach you know jamming on the beach having the beach as the office yeah all the time. so i said all right i'm not going to force it mm. I'm, i've got some clients now um that are doing my six-week program online because um, they're on the other side of melbourne and i'm all the way down rosebud so it's just easier and they, mm. they, you know it's working so 
Um, but coming out of COVID, I was like, I don't know if Money Eath Project's going to survive. Mm. Like, it's got a life of its own, you know, but economically, mm. you know, we were sort of looming on that recession and all of that happening. Everyone was a bit, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I was one of them. So I, mm. I he started to get into coaching because he disappeared off the scene for a while and got rid of all his social medias and all of that. Mm. And he came back on. And I said, hey, I don't want to ride on your coattails, but do, we, do you want to do this together? So I jumped on his consultancy thing that we built from the ground up. But then now it's turned back. Now he's putting, taking everything from that, putting it all into Money Youth Project. Yeah. Because he, he believes in it so much. So we're not, it's, that mentorship's going. He's never called himself a mentor. Mm. Um, we're colleagues now and friends and, you know, family. Yeah. So that's a cool dynamic too. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. I love that um, the, I guess, the concept of him being like, no, I believe in this. Like, this is something that I mm. think is going to shine. Um, I think that's really, really exciting. But I wanted to ask the six weeks program. Mm. Sorry, you said six week program, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> What's the, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. What's um, the six week program? Is that like a um, try, what is that? Sorry, a sticker's just just fallen out of my notebook. Then we need to sit on it. It's a cool sticker. (laughs) Yeah, is that from Bones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Skate skate company? uh, Boxing gym. Boxing gym? MMA gym. MMA gym. um, The podcast that just came out this week, um, a friend of ours, Matt. He brings some merch. Yeah, he runs a boxing gym, an MMA gym in Torquay. Like martial arts therapy and all of that. Uh, so he used to do like he used to work in like youth justice space and community and stuff, and then mm. has moved down there and started a gym because mm. he's his sort of underlying sort of hobby has always been martial arts. So now he's doing that as the primary focus. But as you do with like sort of what we we're saying before, come and learn, mm. you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z. But we'll chat along the way and mentoring and That'd undercover sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want you to squash the sticker. Sorry to take you up on a tangent. No, No, totally fine. I just I was intrigued around the six week program comparative Mm. to say like one on one mentoring with a young person, what that would look like. Oh yeah, so um I call it like the foundational six week program because um, you know, depending on who you are and Mm. who you're working with, six weeks doesn't really sound that long for a mentorship, especially after saying I've been in the mentorship for like nine years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the six-week program is really what what I just said, foundational. So it starts off, obviously. The big thing was like, because you've heard, you probably heard the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. But in this day and age, those mystical experiences and those encounters happen a lot less. Mm. Um, so my big thing was, you know, linking young people in the community in with mentors mm. um so getting rid of that saying and being like no when the community is ready and prepared then young people will be able to access mentors yeah and then they'll be able to start their their own hero's journey their own adventure so what the six-week program is was just a more structured version of what i do in my mentor anyway mm. but um made actionable by that short amount of time yeah and that can lead into one-on-one mentorship oh, cool. yeah, or a rites of passage. Yep. So um, what they learn in the six-week program is it's, you're linking in, you're you know, spending that time to build rapport um, and to set goals. So that's like session one. 
meeting the mentor comes before that setting goals session two is um, looking into your strengths like your character strengths and values because as i said before that was a big part of my journey when you know your values when you know what you believe in you're more likely to want to do more good you're more likely to uh, you're less likely likely sorry to slip back into like that ordinary world or that, that status quo where a lot of that depression and anxiety comes from not knowing these things about yourself. Mm. Um, and we use the we use the VIA character strength survey. So it's like a positive psychology um, centered thing. Mm. Um, and it's about 90 questions. There's like an adult survey and a kid survey. Um, and they're multiple choice. It's like the, you know, like the, that sounds like me, that doesn't sound like me. Um, or I'm neutral um, yeah. and it really reinforces and at the end they get um, like t- their 26 character strengths and there's like greater strengths which are right at the top and they're more stuff that we're flexing in everyday life already. Okay. Um, and then down the bottom a lot of young people think that these are weaknesses but they're just lesser strengths. So mm. they exist um, but they're not as important and drawn out as their greater strengths. So I usually say... Let's look at your five greater strengths and we'll work out how to flex them and then pick like two or three lesser strengths or five lesser strengths that you want to work on over our mentorship. Mm. Um, so it's funny watching, you know, some of the things that they pick. Yeah, that'd be, I think that would be a really cool experience. Like yeah. I think, yeah, because I've never really sat down and, and done sort of an assessment like that with a young person. So I think it would be cool mm. For them, because you're right, a lot of young people don't know what their own internal values and beliefs mm. are or even um, maybe they do but it's, you know, intergenerational sort of values that they don't mm. necessarily align with. So I think that's really, I think that would be really exciting to yeah. be a part of with a young person for them to choose, you know, what they want to flex in that yeah. space. That's mm. cool. And how often are you put in a position for someone to ask you those questions? I literally wrote it so I can yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, because I just think about young people's. Yeah, and so often they're in environments where they kind of get told, mm. and it's yeah. probably that you get told that you're worthless or you're a piece of shit or yeah. you didn't do this properly. Where how often would they be in a position of like a mentor type relationship where someone's opening the door and going, "Well, let's explore it." <laughs> yeah, and and what makes you, you tick? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So Absolutely. that would be. I think that alone would be a a uh, a really interesting exercise for a young person to go through without even taking the next steps yet, you know? Yeah. Do they? Do you find what's sort of the reaction when you do that with young people and they go Shock. realizing, yeah, yeah that there's, <laughs> that's what it's called, you know? Like, they uh, just get dumbfounded. Yeah. Like they get caught out. It's mm. like, but in the best way possible. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hang on, this dude who I've just met, he's asking me what makes me tick, mm. not being told. Like, you know, we, we get a lot of our narratives, as I said before, um, written by our parents and stuff growing up. That's Some of those right, things yeah. naturally have to happen yeah. because it's just that upbringing, but a lot of it then becomes, um, I like I like to say a lot, that a lot of tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the alliance, like, you know, military tradition and all that. It's like I've got to join the military yeah. because my granddad done it. Even yeah. though it might not be something, but it reinforced so strong. Um, hmm. But even like this, sorry to cut you off, but no, even no, like... Christmas, right? Yeah. Like, you'd be like, oh, what do you do at Christmas? And, uh, you know, it'd be like, well, we go to my grandmother's for lunch. Or no, not grandmother's. We go to my mum's for lunch. And then after that, everyone, like, kind of chills out. (laughs) And then we go 
um, I don't know, fuck, whatever, make it up. And it's like, well, why do you do that? And it's like, well, it's what we've always done. Like it. my, you know, my grandma made sure we always had turkey for lunch. So we've mm. always had turkey, even though, you know, you're yeah. right. I haven't thought about it before, but so often it would be like that. Yeah. Funny. You say it. Peer pressure from dead people. I like that. Do you know it's, what I mean? Uh, oh, I know exactly what you meant. I'm okay. still really excited about the tradition. His peer pressure from dead people. It's good. I really like it. It's a bit that. on the nose, but it's like it's, it's no, true. It's good, so you know? true because no, even like or even, you know, Josh has just said, oh, yeah, when I think about it, I've just realised. But like how many times do you – and like I was thinking about it as you were talking, Josh, like how many things in your life do you do because it's just something wanky that your parents did or even like hmm. – even if there's like – family traditions or something that we do. If I ask my dad, why do we do this? He'd probably be like, oh, fuck if I know your grandmother mm. did it. Yeah. So it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Well, there's a good quote that I like. So I don't know who said it, but it's, it was, a, it was about more about business or like for companies and stuff is the most dangerous thing a business or a company, really I suppose anyone could say, mm. is because it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Whether yeah. you look at it like how your organizations run, how you spend your Christmas day, or how are you doing youth work? Well, you, know? you guys probably yeah. hear it a lot from young people is um, it's in my family. Yeah. Mm. It's in my name. Mm. I like to do drugs because my dad does drugs. Yeah. Mm. That yeah, kind yeah. of thing. You oh, know? 100%. Yeah. Dad did jail. Uncle did jail. Mm. Oh, I don't mind if I do jail. Re- reading like, something fuck. so shocking recently is that um, Indigenous kids, you know, it's become a rites of passage for them to um, be incarcerated or mm. a lot of... Um, a large percentage of young Indigenous kids prefer to be incarcerated um, because it's better than living in their community. But, mm. like, because their dad's been in jail or their uncle's been in jail or auntie's been in jail, I've got to be in jail because then that becomes part of my story. If it's mm. part of their story, it's part of my story, mm. which is really sad, man, you know. Mm. Mm. Devastating. I even remember having a client years ago who similar thing like dad went to prison i've got to go to prison it's just it's a it's my rite of passage Mm. and then um they ended up being locked up together and they were both so distraught because they you know and there was great outcomes from that and we we learned from that and we grew from that and put some great things in place but i think it it was really interesting to see that it's a rite of passage for me to do time Mm. but then do time with your dad and it was like they both just had Mm. this sort of mutual breakdown of why is this what we've created here mm. to, to lead us to this point right now? Why, why did we want this? Yeah, like it was mm. pretty sad. It's funny you say that too because I was listening to another podcast. It's called... What? Yeah, I know. You listen to other podcasts? <laughs> I was cheating on us. Dog. Um, <laughs> it's called Gypsy Tales. It's this Aussie guy. He's like a... I think... I don't know much about him. He's from Sydney, I think. Um, I think he's in like the motocross scene or like part of it, but his Mm. podcast is spread further than just motocross. And Mm. he was interviewing this guy. um, His name's um, Graham Abo Henry. Mm. That's a self, like, well, he said that his friend gave him the nickname when he was younger. I wasn't being rude. Um, (laughs) And, uh, but he, it made me think, because he was talking, and this fellow's like an old school, like staunch, like underworld character. Like he's probably in his 70s, I reckon now, like that sort of character. But he goes in one of the, in the conversation I was listening to, He's like, yeah, like I was only doing three years at the time. And I was just like, <laughs> like the acceptance of I was only yeah. doing three years. Mm. And I was like, that's a fucking long time, dude. Like, yeah, yeah three years. but it gets further on from just like the acceptance of going to jail to the acceptance of, well, this is a short term yeah. versus a long term, you know, like, mm. yeah, it was quite just how flippant he was saying that, 
Yeah, yeah, he's only doing three just years. Ca- just casual, it's just yeah. part of his narrative. That's right. And comparatively yeah. for him, like if he had larger sentences, that might not actually be a large sentence for him. But or people he knew, and, and that's the, some of the stories he told, yeah, of course, were people that had like, were in, um, doing life or had done like, yeah, 15 years or all up, you know, longer. Mm. They go, they just go that, in and then they, they come out enough to realise that they haven't had the time to set any foundations for themselves or change anything. So it's just easier to go back in and than to, you know, get back in. And that kind of plays into, like, how maddening our society can be for, for people like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's easier to be because it's a comfort zone. It becomes a comfort zone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that the concept of, oh, you know, that kid's screaming for containment, you know, if I had a dollar every time I heard that throughout the week or, mm. you know, they, they want to go back because, you know, it's consistent for them. Prison's yeah. consistent and it's like... It's so sad that we can't create a consistent mm. space or environment or community mm. here for them. That that rather that than being free, yeah. Over the you know thousands of years mm. of um, you know evolution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. Which is you know a big concentration of what we want to do this year with Money Earth Project mm. is to have mentorship and rites of passage at such a level of awareness and acceptance. That we can approach the court systems or the juvenile detention systems that have been like, got a solution for your problem, let's try it out at yeah. least. So as alternatives to community service and incarceration, come into a mentorship program and then come into a rites of passage camp at the end of that mm. and then I can guarantee that it's going to impact the community and we're going to see less incarceration. We're going to because they're going to be established, they're going to be recognised in their community for having gone through that transition mm. into adulthood that was so missing. And mm. we, we see those rites of passages get created by young people that are lacking them mm. in, like, you know, the, the silly uh, Facebook um, challenges, eating Tide Pods and doing ridiculous... <laughs> even, like, our, our, Australia's biggest self-created rites of passage is schoolage, yeah? Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> some of the videos you see of... God, like you just think, I, I don't. If you brought that young person to me, I don't know if I'd even want to work with them. <laughs> you know, it's it's horrible. You see all these kids, and they're just smashing their brain cells against the wall mm. because they're lacking something. How do you? How do? So how does? Um, sorry, actually, we we got stopped at week three. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, week sorry. three <laughs> is sort of the year that you go through the week three, test, like, so to speak. Week three actually centers around sociograms. Mm. So I know you guys probably have worked with sociograms a lot. But a lot of kids don't know what they are. A lot of families don't know what they are. So I would like to make that knowledge accessible, sort of take it out of the ivory tower of, of education and mm. academia or government, you know, yeah. and be like, this is a science that once you understand it, it becomes a tool to understand the relationships in your life. Mm. So because our framework that I've built um, is like a deconstruction and reinvention of the hero's journey, Okay. Um, this is like the stage of that hero's journey. It's called tests, allies, and enemies. No, I don't use the word enemies with them. I say adversaries. Mm. And then they say, so kind of like people that piss you off. Yeah. And I say, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if we see everyone as an enemy, we're always going to be living in a battlefield, yeah. Mm. Um, and that, you know, they're like, okay, so how does it look? And you say you're in the centre, you're always at the centre. Not as like an arrogant thing or a stubborn thing, like I'm the centre of the universe, hmm. but you are at the centre of the relationships in your life, yeah? Hmm. So then you look at your inner circle, so the people you trust, 
your allies might be your family, oftentimes <laughs> families on the outer circle, yeah. 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 Um, men, a mentor, mm. your teachers that are holding you accountable and looking out for you, and your friends. Yeah. Outer circle are people that are like, you know, I say there's three types of mentors. There's a good mentor, like a good example, a bad example, and a very good bad example. Mm. Yeah. So the outer circle is people who are like, I, I do have them in my life and I see them a lot, but I don't really trust them. I can't rely on them. They don't hold me accountable. They kind of just exist. Mm. And then on the fringes, which is like the outer, outer circle, are like bullies and um, sometimes, yeah, mum and dad, family, people that yell at them, teachers that they don't like or yell at them. So sort of people like that, yeah. Mm. Um and they and I sort of I give them like a diagram of like an example of that, um, but then they go, "Can I draw it any way I want?" Yeah, why not? Yeah. So I was working with this kid in a primary school, and he got really pissed off because he coloured outside the lines, and I was like, "He's like he apologised to me," and I was like, "What? Aww. What are you saying? Sorry, man. Like you're like, just I messed it up. You know, it's not perfect." I said, it "Doesn't matter." That that it's perfect. It matters that it's beautiful. That it that it looks good to you. Yeah. And he went, oh, cool. He just started drawing outside of it, you know. Um, so they, oh, I've had just recently a young person in the program drew his sociogram as a tree. Oh wow, you know? so that's cool. One side of the tree had like really healthy leaves, green leaves. That was his friends, his you know mentor. Uh, and it's cool because when you're doing this with them at that stage, they're like, you're in my inner circle. Yeah. And you're like. Some kid called me Obi Wan Kenobi the other week, you know. And Thanks, I said, dude. And when we're leaving, I was like, "May the first force be with you, bro." And he's like, oh, <laughs> "Cute." And um, you know, on the other side was like all dead leaves, and like a dead a branch dropped off and was on the ground. And he said, "That's you know bullies and people that annoy me mm. and all of that." But then he like he took it one step further, and he had the sun up in one corner. And that was good feelings because that energized his himself. He was the tree, Aww. so that helped him grow. So it was like photosynthesis. What a do! And then he had the wind as well, and he put in there nice girls. Aww. <laughs> yeah. So he, I was like, explain that a bit more. And he was like, well, sometimes um, some girls are nice to me, and then, but then they like drift off like the wind and they just they just get really philosophical yeah. and deep it's amazing yeah so i show them like a little like a circle and the outer circle out you know I raise you a tree <laughs> yeah. here's here's me in in nature existing as as nature and mm. bringing in the world around me even though it's you know the science is the relationships that are closer and not so close to us is mm. bringing in nature is bringing in the sun is bringing in people that drift in and out of his life who aren't necessarily in one circle or the other mm. they drift in yeah they don't fit in a box yeah but it leaves an impact on him so yeah. that was cool that is cool um so that's that's all that session session three sociograms session four is about ikigai and purpose so mm. two one and the same thing do you guys know what ikigai i've is? just started reading a book <laughs> actually uh it's a little blue book that's what it's called mm. um so I don't know much about it. I've only read the foreword, but Japanese traditional Japanese concept. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the like Americanized, <laughs> bastardized version of it is there's a part of it that says um, what you can be paid for, yeah. But the Japanese don't have a concept of like purpose equals success mm. or monetary gain. Mm. 
Um, so, but the ikigai, you know, you've seen it on the book, yeah, it's like a flower or spheres. Yeah. You've got um, your beliefs, your values. So a lot of it, what we do in the program anyway, that we're defining, it gives, like, what gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. What you do for yourself, like my self-care routine, yeah. Mm. And my work, you know, my work, not the monetary side of it. Mm. I'm sure if I made more money off it, it would probably factor in. <laughs> but um, just the, the, the purpose of that, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Bob Dylan had a cool quote that kind of sums it up. He said, if you, if a man gets out of bed in the morning and he gets to bed at night and in between he does what he wants to do, he can consider himself a success. Mm. So that sums up that ikigai. Yeah. Mm. So your ikigai can be your job, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, it's different little factors like the tree, part of the one tree. Yeah. Mm. The next session is um, taking what we've learned and developing what I call an everyday life code. So I use a lot of symbology like the compass, yeah? Yeah. So we're tuning what we've learned about our strengths and our values and our beliefs, but how do we make it actionable? How do we walk away and bring it into everyday life? It's all well and good to have a mentoring session or come in and see your mentor and then you talk about all that stuff and then you go back home and get in a fight with mum. But how are you going to hold yourself accountable? Mm. So I talked to them about, you know, the, the samurai had their Bushido code that lived and died by. Um, it was honour. It was all of that. So I say, let's look at your beliefs. Take them from that. Take them from your purpose. Take it from your values or your morals. And let's develop your code and tune it to this internal compass mm. so that you can take it out into the world and Every time something happens or you go against your values or you get peer pressured, you can snap back to it and be like, hang on, this doesn't align. This isn't mm. what I learned in the mentorship. Time to sort of reconfigure what, what's my true north. Mm. Um, and session six yep. um, is all about personal legend. So it brings in the narrative stuff. So it's taking everything they've learned and I actually get them to write an essay and it's their origin story. It's the first time that, and because at the start of every journey, I give them a blank journal or they supply their own journal. Mm. And that, that's the same thing we talked about before was choice. And they go, oh, hang on. What the fuck do I write in this blank journal? Yeah. Um, some kids are, you know, even a bit like, oh, that's a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. What is it? A dream journal. I write my feelings in it. I said, you can put whatever you want in it. Mm. It's yours. Some kids fill it with pictures, poetry, all sorts of stuff. Mm. But we take all the stuff we've learned and our re- reflections and conversations and everything, they write a short essay. Um, this is my origin story. Where am I going to go from this point forward leading out? So mm-hmm. the personal legend concept comes from a book called The Alchemist. Yeah, good book. Um, yeah, be- beautiful book. It's, I, I either give that to younger kids or I give Way of the Peaceful Warrior to older kids, okay. um, which is another great book. Um and yeah, they they come back and they they write these this story. This is me as the main character for the first time in my life. Mm. They are like they've got their superpowers, which are their strengths and their values. They've got their little tool belt, which is their compass. They know about their their allies and their adversaries in their lives. They put it all together. They build a story. They build a narrative. So our framework is called the narrative mentorship framework. Yeah. So it runs a lot of narrative metaphor, the hero's journey, 
like the classic example of the hero's journey is Star Wars, yeah? Yeah. Um, and that, that speaks subconsciously to us on a, on a deeper psychological level um, using symbology and narrative metaphor and storytelling. And that's one thing we, we've lost over these thousands of years is the storytellers in our community. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it speaks to them and, it, you know, I've had young people say, oh, you, like, appeared to me in a dream and we had a conversation and, you know, so it, it's wow. it's like that. It's like Jungian psychology, archetypes, mm. narrative metaphor, all of that. Mm. So then that's – then they, after that, they choose – where to go they might not need to continue mentorship they might not feel their parents might not feel to continue yeah but they've got the option mm. so what and a foundation you... exactly they've got the foundational yeah structure right of where to go next mm. a lot of kids do continue or a lot of the parents go i feel like they need to continue just for a little bit yeah let's do it i prefer that yeah for sure but um we want to do rites of passage this year yeah so i don't know how much you guys know about rites of passage work not a huge amount. And before I forget, I want to know more about the camp as well. But Well, the, the camp, yeah, so the Rites Passage camps, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's something that we're wanting to do this year and beyond. So we want that to come after a mentorship program. So they can come with a parent or they can come with a mentor. Um, and there's, you know, different Rites of Passage for boys and different Rites of Passage for girls because mm. they need their own container. Mm. Um, not to like separate their gender or anything um, we are planning on bringing them together for a different camp but um, they just need di- they need different leaders different mentors to appeal to that mm. side of them but um, development like, yeah different things are going to best support them in their own journey mm. Mm. So, that's, so in the hero's journey that's um, the stage of like the, the metaphorical death and rebirth so they've come along that journey They've learned a lot about themselves, um, but they need to metaphorically die and be transformed to, to integrate back into their community. Because mm. I feel like a lot of the time when young people are accessing services, there's not much, and you guys educate me on this because I'm not in the, main, the mainstream, you know what I mean, the integration side of things. It's like such a big, important part Um how they're going to go back into the community mm. and become like, and to have that recognised by their friends and their family and the rest of the community when they go for jobs, when they do all this. Mm. So that our process for the rites of passage is to provide that and to also having the parents along with that, they get educated too on like how to acknowledge this new stage after your young person has completed a mentorship journey. Mm. How to celebrate it, how to have the community recognise it. So implementing strategies of like how do we bring that into the community as a big event so then they when kids apply for jobs and they're like, hey, you that kid that done a rites of passage or they have something, I don't know, Yeah. to signify that, how impactful that could be. Mm. Um, do you get much buy-in from the parents? Because I think something that like I guess from my experience as a worker, some of the, the biggest parts around I guess supporting a young person within community or you know with their sense of belonging or you know their own identity a lot of um 
a lot of the time their parents have to be a part of that because mm. they're they're also a part of the journey. Um, and I think like with what you're saying, you were mentioning about like the values and beliefs and stuff. If you're getting negative values or what you identify as <laughs> negative values or belief from your parents, for example, yeah. you come do foundations or do one-on-one mentoring and get yeah. these great assets in your sort of invisible tool belt, but then you go home to the same maybe narcissistic tendencies from dad, for example, or something yeah. along those lines. And then they try and flex what they've learned and they just get rebutted by the Yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a fucking yeah. beer or something. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get much buy-in from the parents? Um, like, that's awesome. I think it's awesome. Very. But... It's, yeah, it's unique to the kid. Yeah, It's okay. unique to the uh, to the student. It's um, So when I, a lot of the times I meet, I'm lucky, I'm really lucky to, like, the parents are involved in some level or they've gotten to that point of awareness mm. that something needs to be done. Um, but I always meet with the parent with no kid there. Yep. And then I meet with the kid with no parent there because yep. there so many times you meet up with the parents and the kids and the parents just sit there and talk shit about their kid. My kid's on the spectrum. He's this and that. He's not doing well in school. He's... I've had parents say, oh, he's not that smart. And the kid's just stonewall there. Just sitting right there while they're saying it. And you're like, Ugh. Yeah. And I always rip, I always like, the, sh- the shock on the parents' faces is like, you just go, yeah, cool. How do you feel about that? And the kid goes, oh, shit. You're talking to me? <laughs> but so early days I was doing that. Yeah. And then instead, and now we just do the parent alone and the kid alone. Because yeah. they're more likely to speak shit about the kid without a kid there. And the kid's more likely to open up when the parent's not present because yep. they can share a lot more without mum going, oh, I don't know about that, you little shit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the oh, buy-in has been a big thing, obviously, without the support of, like, a big, of a huge structure, yeah? Mm. So when we moved into, like, a more business model of trying to approach schools and approach parents they're used to getting a lot of services for free. Yeah. Of being like, hey, we can offer you something different and new, but you're going to have to have some skin in the game, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and it's hard because a lot of parents you're working with are single parent, single income. Um, but that sort of just created more room for innovation. Of like, mm. So we're developing a scholarship at the moment. That's so cool. Where businesses... Um, and sort of through philanthropy, mm. they pay a part of the scholarship, but the parents have to have some skin in the game and pay, um, you know, a quarter of it or something. Yeah. So it's kind of like half-half kind of thing. You, the the community has some input and creates more opportunities and puts their money where their mouth is. And then the parent is like, all right, I'll, I can put in a little bit that's affordable mm. through a payment plan or something like that. Mm. That's cool. Is the Rites of Passage program that you run sort of connected or based off the Arne Rubenstein Yeah, thing? exactly. Straight, okay, straight yeah. up. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was always going to be a part of it because <clears throat> of the because of our framework being based off the hero's journey and initiation and uh, reintegration is, you know, plays into that rites of passage. Hmm. But I stumbled on Arne's work um, a while ago now and I've done the frame, like the framework training and stuff. Gotcha. Um, and I'm heading up to Byron in April to do a facilitator training. <laughs> but um but yeah so it is you know I've, that was cool because that laid the foundations of how to do it mm. yeah. and now we work on how do we make it our own so, yeah and it, a big emphasis in Arne's um training is you know he's not like this is my program you mm. can't do it 
it's our name, all of that. He's the complete opposite. Throughout mm. the whole thing, he says, we really encourage and any way we can support you yeah. to create your very own versions that will impact your community. Mm. And I think that's what like a legend. True, true leadership. That's there's not there's, there's no greed. There's no monopoly on it. Yeah. Yeah, which, because I was about to say, that never happens. Mm. like normally you go to a training and they're like this is intellectual property do yeah, not like... photocopy do not distribute mm. yeah. do it's not... like when someone does something in the medical world and they don't put a patent on it yeah, you yeah. Know, like the yeah. panadol well, like... or something's like not patent or whatever you know something like that i don't know but like yeah I've come, I've come up against it like being on my own mm. um i've had other organizations kind of be like oh well, you know, this looks dodgy it's like then you just sort of educate them on it but also like these are my clients. Like I worked with a kid who was like in a bit of strife mm. um, and then his mum sort of got a mental health care plan for him mm. with a positive psychologist and I got sort of called into the office at the school and was like, they were like, oh, um, the psychologist has told the mum that, that he doesn't want the kid seeing you while he's doing the psychology and I went, man, that really sucks. Yeah. Because just as you start to make progress, that happens. And then the kid's told, you can't speak to Rick. Yeah. So then I got the cold shoulder from the kid and that was heartbreaking. Mm. But like that that monopoly, that greed of like, my client, my client, my Mm. client. Whereas I'm more like, with our whole family approach, if Mm. it's not working... Blink them in with someone in the community yeah. that can because yeah. it's the kid that's going to miss out. I like thinking of it like seats. Like everybody has a, like a young person has their own auditorium mm. and they get to fill their seats however they see fit. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think it's definitely a sector thing. I think you're really right there. That there's, I don't know if I'd use the word greed to provide, a, but like almost a gatekeeper of, mm. of, of a person. And it's like, well, just because you're doing, you know, family work and you're doing individual therapy they're two very important things doesn't Mm. mean that you can't overlap i think people get so stuck on the duplication of service or um you know or or, i'm dual diagnosis so they don't need um something else you know i'm trying Mm. to give an example without slagging people out but nothing's coming to mind but i think sometimes people get so caught up in the no, I'm the family worker, this is my role, or no, I'm the youth worker, I'm, I can be the only youth worker. And it's like, well, just everyone's replaceable. And I feel like if that's the, the space that you're holding for a young person is, mm. is that I'm the only youth worker that can ever support you, I'm the only one that can do, mm. do the job. Well, They're doing the messaging, more damage. Yeah, the messaging that you're giving mm. there is not great and you're doing more damage than good in that because you're you're – you're not teaching anything but reliance. But it, mm, wh- yeah. why do you want a young? Why would you want a young person to rely on you anyway? The mm. whole concept of being exactly. a youth worker is empowering them to do it for them fucking selves. Like we want know, to empower the community to all come together because yeah, obviously the, you know one of the most popular phrases, the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm. But if that um, child is made to feel not part of that village, they're going to burn it down to feel the warmth. Yeah, yeah. and that's mm. what we see. We see they're not getting as much help as they should be because mm. of that system. Mm. Whereas it's our responsibility as that village to go, hey, what, you know, what's her name over there? He specialises in that. What's her name? You know, they can work with the family. They can work with mum. 
this person here can work with dad. Yeah. And when the whole family is looked after, mm. then it trickles down to the kid they're looked after. Mm. And when the kid's looked after through mentorship or, or services, then the parents are looked after and they've got more time to um, follow their passions and their work and all of that as well. So. That's right. Well, here's a crazy idea. Why don't you just let me know what you're working on and I'll reinforce the same message. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so bizarre. Like, yeah, like there's privacy, but if you're working on like an angle with the young person, just let me know what it is as a care team member and mm. I'll reinforce the same thing. Mm. The young people Groundbreaking. Are like, yeah. The young people but, yeah. are fully involved and know that all these people are looking out for That's them. That's right. And not sort of, they're not like Stretch Armstrong being, you know, pulled one arm here, one arm there, one leg there mm. um, between everyone. Yeah. Imagine the power of the young person knowing. Mm. The whole village is looking out for them. Mm. They've got a better chance to thrive. And then the community benefits from that because these kids aren't out burning the village down. Yeah. They're not, you know, putting up their graffiti and mm. vandalizing and stealing and dealing drugs and, you know, because mm. mm. they they've felt they're needed. They're, they're all just connected. <laughs> mm. I was going to... There was like a metaphor that came to mind then about like being wrapped up with a neat bow, but like it didn't come to mind. I'm just doing this thing with my head. Yeah. I was going to say, um, oh, I was going to say something along the lines of, oh, like when we had Ben on, sorry. And remember Ben was talking about like shifting your thought process from like youth worker and working with a young person to thinking of it in like an economic sense mm-hmm. and how like what you were just saying about, you know, it's even – for me, what I think of is that people are like look at graffiti on the streets and they're like, oh, fucking shit little kids coming and graffing, up to no good, why don't do other things? And they're like, but it's like, well, if we look, about, look at it in a, from a different lens, let's t- look, about, look at the five steps before them doing that graffiti. Yeah. You know, what, what, what was the, put in place. What is, the, what is the journey that didn't just start there? Yeah. There's a reason for it. Yeah. yeah. So you, you think like... You see, you know, you've got the awesome, amazing art done and then you've got the tags. Yeah, you've got like Hosier Lane and <laughs> yeah. then you've got like the scribble, the, the pier or like the, you know, Wu-Tang the shop window. It's like grass. you've got like this massive <laughs> octopus or something and it's all kitted out and stuff yeah. and there's all this amazing lettering and then you've got like, um, you know, Johnny Likes Dick or something. Yeah, or just and a then, giant and penis. And then you see it and you go, <laughs> cheeky little bastards. Yeah. But um, hang on. Let's look at, let's zoom out mm. and be like, who done that amazing art piece and who are the kids doing these other pieces? Mm. And I know they do, they do have programs where they get graffiti artists in to teach, but it needs to be like a gradual thing, not just one day where the yeah. kids come and do like a workshop and then they go off and then they just take that and put it on the walls anyway. Yeah. Like <laughs> do it gradually, do more and more programs. Mm. Um you know, have have it bought and supported and um, sort of paid for by the businesses that are getting graffitied on. Why can't they become mentors mm. instead of you know? And I don't know what what your guys' thoughts of like you see on Facebook on the groups, and some a kid's done something, and the the whole community is like little bastards, lock them up, kill them, all sorts of stuff. People are fucking oh, savage on people, socials. The people. keyboard warriors. Your community Jesus. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Very I was actually watching um, 
Oh, just for laughs, the comedy show last mm. night. I was um, watching one of the episodes. I can't even remember the comedian. I feel really bad for like regurgitating her joke, but not remembering who <laughs> she <stealer>. is. Yeah, <laughs> she hasn't painted it, I think. Um, but the she was. Oh, now I've completely forgotten the joke that she was going to say. But it was. What did you say? Did you just community say, notice boards? Community. That's right. 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 And she was talking about this like guy that. Um, was like texting her from a, a social app and then just started being like an absolute prick to her. Yeah. And the pre story to that was that she'd randomly joined this like group in her local area. Okay. Um, and she was saying, you know, uh, the biggest thing for me was just like watching the fights unfold. Like it was just this woman had uploaded a recipe for, you know, her own Epsom salt bath. And then mm. within like six comments, someone was like, don't tell me how to raise my children. <laughs> and she was talking about how like savage people get so swiftly. And then oh, she yeah. was talking about this guy that was a dickhead. And she's like, anyway, so I just screenshotted his profile, posted it in that group and said, look at the new Westfield Santa, blah, blah, blah. And like made out that he was just this sort of um, prolific dirty old man and then people were just abusing him on Facebook and they were going nuts about it and she's like so that satisfied me it's kind of like the the cancel culture yeah yeah Yeah. it's so crazy I don't even engage half the time in a lot of the Mm. Facebook pages how about the other half because (laughs) well I just screenshot it send it to other people talk about it (laughs) I think that's half the library on my phone to be honest (laughs) what do you do well before we Mm. wrap a Rooney (laughs) wrap a Rooney write that one down I'm going to say that forever now. She's lost the plot. What time is it? Jesus Christ. Um, We like to finish every podcast uh, with uh, some words of wisdom or some pieces of advice for either new people emerging in the field, new students, or maybe people changing careers or... Maybe losing, my favourite one is losing a bit of motivation or what did oh, yeah. I say, stagnant in their roles. <laughs> Just <laughs> hit, hitting that plateau is so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah particularly um, through COVID. W- working through it, yeah, it was a massive plateau COVID, like coming out of that and thinking, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. But the more I try and escape from it, the more it reinforces, I get thrown back into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know, let me, uh, I guess, draw on um, what we've been talking about, about sort of what I said before about if the doors aren't opening, going out the window, like yeah, I'll draw I'll draw from the library of quotes that just sit up here in my head. I love that. Um, uh, I guess there's two two quotes, two pieces of advice I've got off different mentors. So one was um, right at the start of forming Money Earth Project. Someone said to me, "You don't want to spend your whole life climbing a ladder." only to get to the top and realise it's been leaning against the wrong wall the whole time. Mm. And another one was from my Hawaiian mentor. She said, just bluntly, if you want to eat different fruit, plant different trees. Oh, I like that. And they're probably two of the, the biggest pieces of advice that I've got that I draw on almost every day of my life. And especially when I hit those plateaus and I think, oh, far out, man, you know, I don't know if I can do this or if I've got the the you know the guts to do it mm. those two things resound in my head one is you know emphasizing you've created something you know that going against your grain isn't going to work for you in the long run so before you even step up on the first rung make sure it's leaning against the right wall make sure it's going in the direction you want to go yeah the other is like s- straight up you know <laughs> don't, don't complain there's a story of this construction worker, let's just call him Joe, and he for the last 20 years he's been complaining about his lunch, peanut butter and jelly. Mm. So eventually his friends said at one lunch break, one smoker, they're like, why don't 
you just make you know why don't you get your wife to make you something different and he said what are you talking about i'm not married i make my own lunch (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so they're probably they're probably the biggest pieces boss have got the last you know the last word yeah i like the um plant if you want different fruit plant new trees and i guarantee you before 5 p.m friday i will have told that to a staff member (laughs) (laughs) i like it spread it around yeah it's so true though i think constantly people sit in a space of oh i keep doing this and nothing changes and it's Mm. like yeah that's fucking insanity mate let's Mm. try a different tactic or let's mix it up a little bit so i think instead of if the orange is burned in your mouth, stop it fucking eating oranges. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> That's cool. Like Thank you that. so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. We appreciate your time. Yeah, and I want to say, uh, you know, you reached out to us and we always say if you want to come on the podcast, do, and you shot us a message and here you are. So yeah. thanks heaps for doing that. Yeah, mm. And also um, to anyone else, like, you know, Rick said, hey, you know, I do this thing love to have a chat and you know within a few weeks we're sitting down so mm. if anyone wants to sit in rick's seat please yeah shoot us, us a up. message and jump on and if you want to check out the uh, yeah, yeah. Mana project where do, project oh my god <laughs> where the youth project where do people find you how do they all reach over, out all over the place yeah <laughs> you can you can <laughs> go check for a on, coffee get the rick burger yeah that's it come down to rosebud and um we'll hang out at the beach nice. and uh yeah just you can see us on facebook um, we're on Instagram, you know, just Money Youth Project. Type it into Google, it'll pop up. And M U N N A? M A N A. M A N A. Yeah. M A N A. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. it's trust, pr- trust him. <laughs> no, I trust you, Rick. I'm trying to read my own handwriting. <laughs> and we've, got a, we've got our website as well, and um, you can shoot us a message through there. And uh, we've got like a little chat box on our website, so it's not automated. Uh, we felt that when people come to us, they're obviously looking to have something done, you know, and have access uh, to some programs that are going to help their kids. So we thought they, some of them, they've got enough automation in their life, Centrelink and mm-hmm. all sorts oh, of like stuff. the pop-up chats not automated. No, so it's, oh, it's that's you, sick. you type into that and it goes directly to my phone. Oh, really? Um, and we when we see it when we see it, and that's so you'll cool. Never talk to a robot, so you can. Hit us up on there as well. But yeah, on all the socials, LinkedIn, Instagram. We're not on TikTok and probably never will be. You don't want to do any of the trends? No, no. <laughs> I downloaded it. Some young person told me to download it and I saw the front page and I just uninstalled it straight away. I, just, <laughs> I thought, no way. Yeah. yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah, but all other socials. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the other ones. Yeah. 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 Until some better new ones come along. Yeah, sure. well, watch this space. Not my space, but this space. No, no my space. He's off taking photos. Everyone go find Tom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, everyone hunt down Tom from my space and look at his photos. Bring him back. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Rick. (laughs) Nah, thanks, guys. Thanks, dude. Thanks for listening to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week.